welcome to Concise Consaratwa. After quite some time, as despite my intentions to make this a regular podcast series, I had to take a break. For those of you who like the sort of wishes on random days, a happy new year. If you think about it, January 1 is as random as it gets. It does not represent any solar phenomenon such as equinox or solstice. It is not the longest day or the shortest, or the warmest day or the coldest, or the birthday or the death anniversary of some overrated historical figure. In fact, it appears that January 1 itself was a correction of a series of historical mistakes and decisions. If you are following the lunar calendar, the equivalent would be to consider the day when the moon is about 21.96% full as the New Year Day. Is that the random day that we want to go gaga over? So many events have happened since the last podcast which was on the national education policy. But nothing has happened on the national education policy itself. So I have decided to continue the episodes on the policy a little later in a couple of months or years. The most interesting series of events has been around our honorable quotes. One quote declared that life is more important than religious practices which is a debatable point if you consider that some religious practices regularly flirt with life, just that it is the life of others, the ones who don't follow these religious practices. The court recommended that instead of allowing a dip in the river Ganga, the government should instead incentivize Isnan, which in case you didn't know, means electronic bath or virtual bath. It is a little ironic when Milots cannot recommend that governments incentivize e-loudspeakers, especially when there are court orders against the use of loudspeakers. Yes, the obvious response is what about e-goat or e-tree or for that matter e-protest. We all know the answer to that. We can venture a little further with this e-snan because this opens up a whole new era and area of judicial subjugation of Hindu practices. First, the obvious one which is to shut down mandirs because mandirs are under government control and the courts can push around the government, especially this government which believes that resorting to strategic retreats is as important as retreating to strategic resorts. While mandirs can be converted to schools, hospitals and open-air gyms which is the new trend, the courts can ask the government to create an app called eMandir where e-bhakts can register by providing their e-adhar details and paying an e-dakshina of 66.6 rupees per bhakt, per day, per darshan, per bhagwan, per mandir. Of course, a GST of 28% has to be imposed because no one in the government, judiciary, legislative, executive, would deny that Hinduism can be clubbed with aerated drinks and tobacco. Once you log into the e-mandir app, you will be provided with an array of bhagwans, devis and devatas, and you can tap on your favorite upon which the app will take you to the payment portal powered by Bhim. E-mandir and Bhim. This is the kind of social irony that only this government can think of. It has not happened for sure, but a scenario like this is not unlikely. After confirming the payment through an OTP, one-time Prayaschit, you will be placed in the queue for Darshan as the government would be considerate enough to provide you with the same experience as a real Mandir. If you like, you could pay more for special Darshan 
confirm the payment through another OTP, one time price tip, and enter the special queue. Before entering, however, you would have the option to visit the eBazaar portal. Another irony that only this government can think of. It has not happened for sure, but a scenario like this is not unlikely. The portal could have been named eHeart or eMundi, but those names were already taken. Hunarhat, if you remember, because whenever we think of Hunar, we think of, well, let us come back to the point. In the eBazaar portal, you could buy ePushp limited to two per bhakt per darshan because as one popular but slightly old Tamil song says, don't think all flowers are for puja and don't forget that girls love flowers too. The slightly old Tamil song starts with a very relevant social message. Parkade, parkade, panchangata parkade, which translates to don't see, don't see, panchangam, don't see. The song then goes into other very relevant social messages. Parva ponnu kitta bhagavadam pesade. Don't speak Bhagavat to a nubile girl. Pukkum puvellam pujekna ennade. Don't think that flowers that bloom are only for puja. Kashmir irukka ile kasi aidan ennade. Don't think of kashi when Kashmir is there. This very relevant social messaging is from 1993 from the movie Gentleman, lyrics by Vairamuthu. Just in case you were thinking that such very relevant social messaging started very recently. Anyway, back to the eBazaar because after some time the eMandir app would automatically log you out and then you would have to pay again and wait for another OTP, one time price chit. So yes, you can buy ePushp limited to 2 per eBhakt per eDarshan, eShriphal limited to 1 per eFamily per eDarshan, e-dhoop or e-agarbati limited to one per e-community per e-darshan and only green e-dhoops and e-agarbatis manufactured by the good folks from Hunarhat would be sold and also e-kela which has no limit because government, kela and Hindus have a deep relationship. Once the queue takes you to the e-vigraha, you will have an e-supervisor shouting in the local language to keep moving, keep moving. Jaragandi, Poiteru. Aage bado, agar halo. After which you would be pushed out of the queue. The government, as I said, would be considerate enough to provide you with the same experience as a real mandir, which will only exist in the reality of our minds and in the images of the e-mandir app. If you like, you could pray to the e-arti so that it reduces global warming, toll the e-ghanta so that it reduces noise pollution, perform an e-pradakshina so that it reduces the spread of viruses and obtain an e-prasadam which is certified by FSSAI. You can then log out, come back in the evening and log in with another OTP, one time Prayashchit. Around the time that one court was commenting on what a Hindu should do, another court was commenting on who a Christian is or rather is not. Merely attending the Christian gospel conventions and attending the prayers in churches, said the court, one cannot be considered a Christian. The court continued, Does one become a Christian just by having a biblical name or just by attending a church sermon? Can one be called a Christian just because they read the Bible or have a crucifix in their home? Admittedly, the answer will be negative. That was said by the court. 
if we say that merely arguing in a court does not make one a lawyer the next thing you know you would be facing contempt of the said court but kansara you may protest there is a difference between practicing the law and practicing christianity we all like to live in such delusions only if the honorable court is anyway taking this honorable stance it should go one step further and say that since none of this defines a christian it now recommends the government that all minority schemes scholarships and subsidies be removed for such court defined non christians i mean if a court can put the implementation of laws in abeyance then this would hardly be considered as judicial overreach while we are on farm laws there were some interesting arguments in no less than the supreme court one was a discussion on what would be a good protest site imagine a democratic institution which you could imagine as me speaking with my tongue firmly in cheek when i say a democratic institution imagine a democratic institution in this day and age speaking about what would be a good location to conduct anarchical activities as if we do not have enough strikes bunds hartals and road rocos all of which terms have been abolished from mainstream discourse for the fear of a backlash we now have protests which are sanctioned by governments and discussed by courts right from the dates to the locations i would not be surprised if in the future the courts would insist that a protest site be selected based on a number of criteria such as one ability to disrupt public life because well why else does one protest two availability of space to cook eat sleep and perform other bodily functions because defecation and procreation are necessities of life three existence of amenities to keep the body fit and healthy such as open air gyms and massage parlors four electricity connection to assist in conducting meetings conferences and even stage performances five proximity to schools colleges atms markets and other commercial establishments and six presence of soil that has been certified by the government soil testing agency as amenable to any permanent construction of course it goes without saying although the courts will definitely say it that the government has to support and ensure that protesters are able to protest without any inconvenience as it is their right to protest even if it causes inconvenience to non protesters some governments are already doing this without any nudge from the courts the second interesting argument was when the supreme court commented that no pil has been filed which says that farm laws are beneficial while i imagined a doctor saying that she has not seen a patient who is healthy i also immediately filed a pil that my podcast concise kansaratva is a great podcast i would recommend that everyone who is interested in our society and culture even if they are a part of the judiciary should subscribe to the podcast who knows if tomorrow someone files a pil that concise kansaratva has to be banned and the court says that this is reasonable since no one has filed a pil that concise kansaratva is good so if you like concise kansaratva you know what to do no no don't file a pil i mean you could if you want to but tell others to subscribe to my podcast all this talk of courts reminds me of nidhi for once she had proclaimed loftily that in india we can question the supreme court too 
Sadly, she did not question the letter she got allegedly from Harvard. Oh, the irony. And assumed that someone had offered her an assistant professorship in a non-existent department because she is oh so famous and she had once chatted with Obama. If there is any better example of the low standards that journalism in India sets for itself, then I would like to hear that. If only journalists knew who to question, what to question and perhaps how to question, journalism would not be in these dire straits with journalists acting like sultans of swing. Why not question why stand-up comedians and streaming platforms insult Hindu traditions day in and day out? Why not question Twitter and Facebook, which act as virtual oligarchs instead of content-sharing platforms? Why not question a political leader, a former chief minister, no less, when he calls the vaccine for Wuhan virus as BJP's vaccine? Why not question why Rahul Gandhi keeps going to undisclosed destinations? Does investigative journalism go Manmohan Singh when the right questions have to be raised with the wrong people? Apparently, Jesus had said, Physicians, heal thyself, while he should have also added, journalists, learn thyself. If people like Nidhi and her boss that annoying Pranoy who called her an assistant professor because he also belongs to the same school of non-existent journalism, would have been around during the time of Jesus, I can bet you 30 pieces of silver who they would have supported. It would not have been Jesus, that is for sure. All these journalists are having the time of their mediocre lives because they've got a new president. No, if you're listening to this episode without a context, I would like to make it clear that we still have the same president in India, Ramnath Kovind. The journalists, however, are on the cloud nine of cringe because Joseph Stalin, I mean Joseph Biden, has become the POTUS. And they think that this may make their decade-long dream of putting Modi in his filthy place a reality. I sniff some conspiracy here. And curiously, all references to sniffing have been snubbed out by the social and the real media. No? While we are on sniffing, when Biden took his oath on the Bible, it was a moving moment worthy of a president. When Ramnath Kovind donated to the Ram Mandir, it was a provocative moment worthy of condemnation. Why not ask she who shall not be named, or even she who shall not be surnamed, or for that matter, he who shall not be blamed, on why they are not contributing to the Ram Mandir? Why not ask the same question to mediocre entertainers, foul-mouthed rappers, political rabble-rousers, fake farmers, and even ensconced evangelists? Do you see now the issue of not asking the right questions to the wrong people? In a way, I am glad that the deluded bunch is distracted by the by-hair of America, Biden and Harris, and at least the government could do some work without some journalist or other concocting some fresh fakery. So that's it, folks. We have a lot to talk about. The impressive vaccination drive that has started now. The role of ministers such as Prakash Javdekar, which would require an episode in itself. The New Year crackers, which finally redeemed us from Deepavali pollution. But then I have also named my podcast as Concise Kansaratva. I'll come back to some of these in later episodes because they are recurring themes. I have also created a channel for Concise Kansaratva on Telegram. So do subscribe to that as well. You can search for Kansaratva on Telegram or just type in t.me slash Kansaratva. In the last few weeks, we have seen an upheaval in social media landscape 
with people moving from WhatsApp to Signal and Telegram. And I see this as a very positive move. You may as well forward good morning messages and happy birthday greetings and dubious cures for the Wuhan virus on Signal or Telegram instead of WhatsApp. The latest indigenous kid on the block is Aratai, a cheeky name which means gossip in Tamil, started by Sridhar Vembu of Zoho, an entrepreneur who should have been extolled as a role model and instead is subjected to insults because how can an unabashed Hindu build something great? So go for Aratai. Meanwhile, Twitter is quite entrenched and nonsensical misadventures like what Tutor did by fraudulently verifying the Prime Minister, no less, do not help us get anywhere. Unsurprisingly, the misadventure misfired and the talking point soon became the inability of our compatriots to create something new. And of course, the cheapness of right-wing in India, a term that basically means Hindus who are proud of being Hindus. My apprehension of Tutor was also because it was based on Mastodon. And I felt bad for Inditute, which was an honest attempt to create something good. I do not mind apps and solutions based on non-Indian technologies, because we all know the constraints of reality. The tutors of the world, however, do more damage than they think, setting back real innovation, sometimes forever. Until the next episode, wishing you a wonderful time. May Rudra bless you all.